I'm Kia Miakonatis. This is NPR's Book of the Day. It was the grief mixed with anger that got to Nicole Chung. You might remember her name. She wrote a best-selling memoir, All You Can Ever Know, about being a Korean adoptee in a predominantly white community and the search for her birth family. But when both her adoptive parents died within a year of each other, right next to grief was rage that they died before their time, crumbling under struggles with money, health, and very few systems of support. Her new memoir, A Living Remedy, is Chung's search to understand the lives her parents lived and the systems that failed them. Here she is with NPR's Steve Inskeep. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Nicole Chung says she grew up not knowing her family's income. She knew her mom and dad didn't have a lot. In high school, she had to earn money to buy her own clothes. But the facts never hit her until she filled out a college financial aid form. And it it wasn't until then that I actually saw our household income there, like in black and white. And it was significantly less than my freshman year of college was going to cost. And I saw our family expected contribution was zero. Nicole Chung had been adopted into that family. She wrote a popular memoir of her youth and her search for her birth family called All You Can Ever Know. Now she continues the story with a memoir of what happened to her adoptive parents. In recent years, both died in their 60s. She mourned them and wrote about them in the isolation of the pandemic. Her book called A Living Remedy tracks her parents' lives in rural Oregon, where her father worked in restaurants, her mother worked many jobs, and neither had money to spare. What was the connection, if any, between their economic circumstances and their health? I mean, there was definitely a connection um, because we were often, as a family, uninsured or like underinsured when I was growing up. And this is another thing I sort of knew but didn't really think about, uh, that there were years I would go to the doctor or the dentist, and there were years where I didn't. I didn't necessarily think about it too much until these health emergencies started accumulating my father's diabetes and the medications he needed, my mother's cancer, and then a series of other health issues um, that actually went untreated for quite a while because it was a period when we were uninsured. My mother had a costly operation when I was in high school, and, and that was not covered. Um, my father had a lot of ongoing medical issues as well. And so every time that happened, you know, quite often those bills would go on a credit card, and it took you know, many years for them to pay off. Ultimately, it bankrupted them. What sense, if any, were you able to make of that when you, when they were both gone and you're sitting for those months when you have time by yourself in the pandemic and thinking about everything that happened? I remember after my father died in 2018 and, and where some of this book came from was just this rage that I felt at, at how young he died, you know, at 67, after after years of not being able to access the type of medical care he really needed, after literally having renal failure um, and being denied disability. It was heartbreaking, but I could not like separate my anger from the grief. It was just, it was almost, almost too overwhelming. Yeah. Um, 
And I remember feeling so much regret at what I wasn't able to do. You know, that that's one of the, the problems is that we are often left to try to navigate these broken systems, healthcare or social safety net with gaps. And I I still feel this self self-blame that I, I will never be entirely rid of for just how little I was able to do for my father when he was the sickest, you know, he'd ever been. And we didn't know what was wrong. Um, I think you, I think the, you, you, you know, that blame is, is wrong, that you're not to blame. I do. And you can know that intellectually. And I, I do appreciate you saying that. Um, I say it to myself too. You can know mm. that though, rationally and still feel as though, was there something more I could have done? Was there something more I could have said? And I think with my mother, you know, it was it was a very different situation. It was two years on. I was able to provide just a lot more financial assistance because of, of where I was in my career at that point. But with my mother, I wasn't able to to be there at the end. I wasn't able to attend her funeral. I had to live stream it from my couch. One of those experiences so many went mm. through in the early days of the pandemic that I feel sometimes we forget just how many people missed final hours with their loved ones, missed funerals. Um, but you know, it happened to so many of us. You have a chapter in the book here early on, and the entire chapter is things my mother sent me after I left home. That's early in the book. And then later in the book, you have another chapter, and the entire chapter is another list, things I send to my mother while she is dying. And I wonder if you and I could combine those lists and read them together. I can say something your mother sent to you, and then you can respond with something you sent to your mother. Is that all right? That's fine. Okay. This is hard to begin. <laughs> it's actually hard to begin. <laughs> your mother sent you your mother sent you Oregon postcards. I sent her letters and cards. Your mother sent you calling cards. I sent her flowers. Your mother sent you cash when she had any to spare. I sent watercolor artwork and comics oh. drawn by my kids. <laughs> and she sent you ballpoint pens and mechanical pencils. I sent her all the good Jane Austen film adaptations I can find on DVD that she doesn't already own. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother sent you post-it notes, I guess with little reminders to do things? No, just packages of post-it notes. Oh, she really okay. thought I needed, you know, she thought I needed them. <laughs> okay. So she, she sent you post-it notes and you sent her... I sent her the complete slings and arrows. <laughs> Your mother sent you lip balm. I sent her the complete Miss Fisher's murder mysteries. I'm just dwelling on lip balm as if you could not have gotten lip balm wherever you were at that time. Yeah, they, they don't sell it everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to skip to the end because we'll be here all day and I'll start crying. Um, okay. Your mother sent you a safety whistle when you left home. I sent her chocolate babka and chocolate chip cookies. She sent you pepper spray. I sent her Mother's Day tulips. Your mother sent you... Darn it. Your mother sent you photos of her and dad and grandma on every birthday and holiday that you missed. I sent her a new knee brace. Can I ask a simple question that I guess a friend might ask you? Oh, please. How you doing? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for asking. I don't know. Um... Now I'm doing okay. I have like learned how to be okay. And I've learned how to show myself, I think, more grace, partly through 
the experience of writing this book. Um, I think I have a lot more patience for my own humanity than I used to, my own my own limitations. And yeah, it's a, it's a learning process, but I am doing okay. I am doing much, much better than I thought I would be. The latest memoir by Nicole Chung is a living remedy. Thanks so much. Thank you, Steve. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. When voters talk during an election season, we listen. We ask questions, we follow up, and we bring you along to hear what we learned. Get closer to the issues, the people, and your vote at the NPR Elections Hub. Visit npr.org slash elections.